Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Johnson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit Bethel.com. Well, it's so good to be here. Um, looking forward to sharing this morning. And I know right now we have tons of people meeting in homes all across our city, all of our region. And so we say hi to you and just grateful for you. And I know there's people all over the world that are watching and listening right now. And it's going to be fun to see how the last three months shape how we do church in the future. And I know that we're, all of us have taken a look at just everything in our lives and about how we do things and have asked a lot of great questions. And it'll be fun to see what answers come forward uh, in the coming weeks and days and months ahead. Um, I want to say something for the record before we get into the message this morning. Um, I want to say this up front, so anybody that happens to listen to this later, either on the stream or YouTube or even podcasts, please do me a favor, and you owe it to me to listen to this message in its entirety. So if you are listening right now and you cannot listen to it in its entirety, then push stop now. And so until you can listen to it in its entirety. And that's important to me because we live in a very unique time, and it's actually one of the most challenging times to times to preach and teach because things are so complex and things are so uh, chaotic and lots of confusion in the air. And when you speak to the lens of chaos and confusion, things are not heard and things that you want to hear, you always hear that. And so it's really important for the record that you listen to it in its entirety and that would be a great favor to me. Um, In the late 1600s, there was a man named Isaac Newton And the story goes that he observed that an apple fell from a tree. And that very act basically framed what you and I would call gravity. The very act of a tree, an apple falling from a tree to the ground, made him realize what's causing that apple to fall from the tree. And today, the title of today's message is Gravity. I want to talk about gravity because we live in a time when there's lots of chaos and confusion, and we live in a time where there's actually divine peace and wisdom. What's pulling you? What gravitational pull is actually pulling you? I wanna read a definition of gravity just just for for the record. The force of attraction between all masses in the universe, especially the attraction of the Earth's mass for bodies near its surface. And it also means a manner that is serious. There is a gravitational pull that's taking place on the earth right now. And I know all of us feel something. The question is, which direction are we going? Which direction am I going? As I stand here this morning, I I reflect on the last three months, and it honestly feels like a decade has passed. Some of you I haven't seen for 10 years. In my adult life, I, I cannot think of another three months that have been like what we have just gone through in the last three. The things we've had to navigate, the decisions that we've had to make, the things that we've had to confront, and things that we never expected that we always saw in the movies actually took place. One positive thing though, the internet is crushing the meme game. There's two that are my favorite right now. This one right here. 
is currently my current favorite one. And for those of you that are listening on podcast, uh, the image I have on the screen is there's a woman who is squinting, looking into the distance, like can barely see what's off in the distance. And it says, me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. (laughs) How many can relate to that meme right there? And then the next one is actually, I think my most favorite. This one just sums up everything in life right now. For those of you that are listening on podcast and you can't see the video, it's a picture of a man looking into a cave and the caption says, scientists find 33 creatures living in a cave that was sealed off for five million years. The first comment on that post is from a wonderful wise person that says, seal that cave, back up and walk away. This is not the year, man. This is not the year. You know, we thought we had decision fatigue about two weeks into COVID. We thought. Here we are three months later. I was on a leadership Zoom call at some point in the last three months. I think it was a few weeks ago, if I remember. So many Zoom calls recently. And it was a bunch of leaders, and one of them asked me, said, um, how, how are you doing with making all these major decisions? I mean, how is that going? And I'm like, well, I'm really glad I put a lot of seeds in the soil before the season ever hit. And it's a great reminder for us that it's important to do the work before the work starts. There's two types of leaders, and one is you learn by experience, and the other is you do it intentionally. And I think it's important as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we're actually putting seeds in the soil in the off-season, whenever that off-season is. But we actually are doing our work before stuff like this hits. Because you don't get the luxury in moments like this, especially when things have to pivot so quickly. You can't go time out, I'm going to go pray and fast for a week before I need to make this decision. Those are amazing seasons to have the luxury of time to do that. But the last three months, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to actually pause everything and go, you know, I'm going to go seek the Lord on this one. It was like, we have to make a decision now. And I was talking to this group of leaders and I said, after all this is said and done, we're going to look back and we're going to pray that we made the right decision. Like, boy, I hope that was the right decision. So for those of you that are watching that are underneath leadership in any capacity, give them the most grace you've ever given any human being because there's no one to call right now to ask for input and advice on the season we're in. In fact, right when COVID hit, Banning called me and Banning, I was like, how are you doing? It's like, man, I don't know. And Banning said, uh, this is the first time in my adult life that I've had no one to call and say, hey, what did you do when you went through this? I say, yeah, that's when you call people that have bigger organizations than you. What are you doing to help me? But really, give give leaders lots of grace right now. Are they making every decision perfectly? Most likely not. But I can guarantee you, most leaders that I've interacted with in the last three months are doing the best they know how, and they're having to make it on on such a speed and pace that is uh, is not normal. So give, give leaders lots of grace right now. But I'm just glad. I'm just glad that we put a lot of seeds in the soil. It's seasons like this where you, you learn quickly how deep your roots are or how shallow they are. You know, and when we saw the light at the end of the tunnel a couple of weeks ago about the word reopening, it was like an ice cold glass of water on a hot July summer day here in the Reading. Just when we were starting to go, oh, wow, things are reopening, a mod Arbery happened. 
centuries of pain resurfaced and the earth groaned. Then George Floyd happened. Then the earth shook. The aftershocks are still reverberating across our land. I don't have my grandfather's anointing where he can talk and cry at the same time, so it may take a few minutes. It had touched the streets of our urban centers all the way to the most rural of rural cities in America. Along with it came political agendas, religious agendas, and once again, social media had become the battleground of opinions. I spent, Candace and I, and, and many of us, honestly, but I can only speak for myself, spent a lot of time with our black community in the last couple of weeks, specifically, and uh, just listening. And, and just, just hearing the pain that about five or six years ago, we, we made a decision that we would, sorry. We made a decision to put some skin in the game. Don't have a lot of skin, but as much skin as I know to give. We started that about five or six years ago. And I shared on Wednesday night with our midweek conversation. If you haven't watched it, I, I'm asking our whole entire Bethel family to watch it because this is a polarizing issue and the days of just talking about it are over. We actually need to walk the walk. And um, to be honest with you, five or six years ago, when the Baltimore shooting and Ferguson and all those stuff was going down, you know, it's confusing when this stuff happens. You know, it's confusing because you don't understand why this stuff is happening. And then it's confusing why an entire black community is in pain. And we, got a really, really great introduction to the reality of the black community think very differently than we do, than I do. When something happens to someone in their community, it affects them as a whole. We're just unaware of that. And so we learned really quickly that it's important to reach out to your friends and family that are part of that community. And so to be honest with you, five or six years ago when something would happen, I'd text everyone, call them, how are you guys doing? And it was out of formality. It would out of like, this is, this is the right thing to do. But over the last five or six years, it's not formality anymore. It's actually us. I also had a phone conversation with a friend of mine who just retired from the police force. We talked for about 30, 40 minutes this week and, and hearing his story. And he was incredibly grieved at what happened with George Floyd. He was appalled, he was actually quite angry. He said, I'm just angry that that happened. As a fellow policeman, he was just angry. And then he also began to just share, you know, People don't realize what, what we see as police officers. We, we see things that no human should ever see. And uh, it wasn't justifying anything. He was just sharing his heart with me. And one thing that's very obvious about this conversation, it's very complex and it's very multi-layered. 
And culture wants us to make it a 2D conversation. It is not a 2D conversation. It is so multidimensional. It's just so multidimensional. And I believe, the Lord, I believe the Lord's inviting us. He's been inviting us to question, will we accept the invitation to engage with this conversation in a multidimensional way? You know, God is, God is very simple, but yet he's the most complex at the same time. And when you, when you get into human issues like this in culture, oftentimes we just want to come in and make it a clear cut, this is it, Here's, this is how we fix things. And you and I know it's, it's not that simple. It's nowhere near that simple. And so one of the reactions we have is we get overwhelmed by the complexity of it, so we just say, you know what, it's not my problem. Or it's just too much. And I, don't, I, I, uh, I say this sincerely, I don't care if we're 90 years old or if we're two years old. That, that attitude has to stop. At minimum, we can engage with it. At minimum, we can have a heart for the, a part of our human race that is, that is hurting right now. You see, when a momentum has centuries behind it, inevitably it requires a disruption so disruptive that lasts long enough to change the course of what caused that momentum in the first place. And I want to speak to people right now that are feeling like, can we just get on? Can we just move on? Not yet. It's too soon. It's too soon. Now, do we stay in the, do we stay in the, the dark places of it? No. No, we don't stay there. We actually move forward, but we don't leave. And I think that's important for us as a, as a church, as a family, that we understand that if you're feeling like, can we just get on and get moving? Nah, don't do that yet. That's probably not the wisest thing to do. Ask the question, how do we move into this? Not how do we move out of it? You know, we, we joked about how the new normal through COVID there was another normal. Well, this is an opportunity to define a new normal on this conversation. When the headlines go away, are we still going to lean in? We have to, you know, we, we can't, this is the moment, this is the defining moment in history right now. This is the defining moment and we don't get caught on the wrong side of history on this one. Don't get caught on the wrong side of history. You know, we need to, we need to listen to what, what humanity is crying out for. And for God's sake, don't let Fox, CNN, social media shape your views right now. Yeah. It's, it's destroying people. Yeah. And believe it or not, that God actually speaks to us in these moments. I wish he spoke to us before these moments, but sometimes you need chaos and confusion to actually hear his voice. If you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses that I, um, I've dwelt on these verses for many years and now that I was getting ready for today, these verses came back to my, to my view, my heart, and I want to read it to you and it makes so much more sense today than it has for me for many years. But Proverbs chapter one, verse, uh, verse 20, we'll start there. Wisdom calls aloud outside. Some translation, the word outside actually means in the streets. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. Um, some translations call that in the crowds, in the multitudes. At the opening of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. 
How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. In the Passion Translation or the message, I can't remember which one all of a sudden, but it actually said, wisdom is talking to you on First and Main Street. And the idea is where it's craziness, it's busy, it's chaotic, that's where wisdom is, it's right there. And I can't help but think this moment that we're in right now as a, as a nation, really, and as a world, but even as I just want to talk to the Bethel family here and then online, of course, I can't help but wonder that we don't know what to do because we're not engaged. And I think it's gonna require us to not just talk about something and actually walk into it. And it's there that wisdom said, my voice is loud there. And so I wanna to speak to anybody here and online right now that just, if you're, if you're nervous, if you are, you know, I told one of our staff this week, I said, I'm so neck deep in this I barely know what I, I don't, I barely know, I think I barely know what I'm doing. If not, I don't know what I'm doing. But put some skin in the game is what I want us to do today. Put some skin in the game on this one because wisdom is available. There's the divine wisdom and the divine peace available. If we want it, it's there. Jesus, Jesus is the one that understands how to step into a broken culture. And this is why his teaching, this is why the gospel, this is why his life, this is why his, his sermons, his demonstrate all the stuff that he did has stood the test of time because it works in the face of a broken culture. It works, it actually works. And so, you know, we always talk about revival, reformation, transformation, you know, we were laughing a couple of weeks ago about this year's theme was year of awakening. We're like, probably shouldn't have named it year of awakening. Because we definitely got something. So next year's theme, I'm just deciding today, is the year of unprecedented peace in the world. <laughs> I mean, the year of awakening, what were we thinking? And interestingly enough, I've been, I've been dwelling on, on a lot of things lately, and, I, and I, I, I'm going back to some of the stuff I've been teaching and stuff that I've been feeding off of, and there's this, you know, we always pray for new things, how many of you have ever prayed the prayer, God, show us something new? And it's actually a dumb prayer, to be honest with you. It's what, what we really are trying to say, God, is show us something we understand. Show us something that we have a framework for. Show us, show us something that I can grasp. But if we actually mean the prayer itself, God, show us something new, what that exactly means is this. What you're about to see, you are not ready for, and you have no idea where to put it. That's what new really means. New really means you've never seen it before. And so I can't help to wonder if when we thought, oh, year of awakening, we actually thought, okay, we have an idea of what that looks like. And here we are in June and a decade gone by in three months and we're like, oh, we really had no idea. Now, did we pray in this stuff? Of course not. That's not what I'm implying. But we, something's happening. It's like an awakening and it come out of left field and now we're just like, what is this thing? And, you know, we always talk about revival and, you know, here at Bethel, you know, we, we try not to separate the word revival, transformation, and reformation. We don't, we don't look at them, you know, on their own because if you, once you do that, then you're missing, you're missing the whole picture. Now, to be honest with you, do those three words, 
paint the whole picture? Probably not, but they work for us in the current moment that we're in. The idea that revival, God touches you, something happens, and what was dead is now made alive. And and when you're made alive, you're you're really alive. How many remember that, that first time God encountered you? That moment where you, you, you thought you were alive, but then after that moment, you realized I was fully dead. And now you're alive in Christ. And, and when you're fully alive in God, and when you encounter God, you don't just sit around and just sing for the rest of your life. You actually begin to experience a transformation that takes place on the inside. God begins to change the way you think. He begins to heal the dark places in your life. He begins to Reveal that your path is covered, and this transformation takes place. And one of the expressions of being transformed is what we call reformation. And what is reformation? It's the reality that what's going on inside you is very different than the world that you live in. And you begin to see the chasm, the gap between the world, the culture that lives in you is so different than the culture outside of you. And this is what leads believers like you and me to actually initiate reformation. We begin to look at things and say, that isn't right. That isn't right. What's up with that? And we begin to ask questions and engage in conversations. And and if we think reformation is changing a bylaw, what it means to be a member of the church, then we have a very small view of what reformation is. Reformation actually changes society. So let me pose the question. Maybe, Maybe this is that. Maybe this moment that we're in is actually leading towards an actual reformation in our culture. So revival is under something. There's there's a reformation that is happening. You know, but the other thing we have to realize is that there's a lot of chaos and confusion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. And and the question is, are we getting pulled into that or are we getting pulled into peace and wisdom that comes from heaven? And that's the challenge. I mean, if you go, if you go look at the gospels, you're going to see there are moments in there where the disciples are, are getting pulled into fear. They're getting pulled into the scenarios of the moment. And Jesus kept brought them back and said, no, this is the way. So in the midst of this moment we're in, my question to us this morning, to everyone watching and everyone in this room, what direction are we going? Are we aiming, are we heading towards what Jesus would do? Or are we giving into fear, anxiety, chaos, and confusion? Are we reacting to a situation? Are we, are we acting out of angst? Or are we acting out of divine peace and wisdom? Divine peace and wisdom isn't always quiet. There is a measure of it where you have to, your voice has to be heard. But I can't help but wonder we're, we're actually in that moment. And so I want to challenge us this morning as we begin to move into the rest of 2020. And who knows what the rest of this year has for us. We will find out. So I want to leave you with four things this morning. There's four things that I think will be key for us as we move forward. The first one is humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves, vertically and horizontally. Horizontally, we need to humble ourselves to each other. Because right now there's a war raging to bring such division between, between us. There's a, there is, it's, it, it doesn't even need to be spoken of, it's just obvious. Go on social media for two minutes and you'll be really quick to recognize there's such a war to bring such divisive and such division within humanity. So we need to remain humble to each other. 
We need to remain humble. And then honestly, we need to remain humble to God. There has to be this posture of poor in spirit and repentance and saying, God, we don't know what to do. We humble ourselves before you because you're the one that knows how to deal with this. And it's important that we remain humble in this whole process. You're having conversations with people right now and, and everything in it just wants to overpower that person with some great debate or some volume raising of our voice. It's in those moments I need to remain humble before people and I need to remain humble before God because it's there that I believe divine peace and wisdom comes flowing. To remain humble, that's key for us right now. Second thing is spend time in prayer. I don't like to condescend or sound demeaning, but I'm just gonna say it for right now. If we're spending more time getting our opinions shaped by social media, Fox and CNN, and we're not praying about the issue, then we really don't have a voice in the conversation. Are we praying about the issues? Are we actually praying for the family that have lost loved ones? Are we actually praying for that there would be a reform in our laws, in our system that are broken? Are we actually praying into that? And are we praying for our president and for the politicians across our nation? Are we praying for the lawmakers? Are we actually travailing in prayer that God will shape them and would actually give them divine wisdom of what needs to be fixed in this broken system, in this broken culture? If we're not actually praying into that, then we really have no business engaging. And I really want to call our church up the prayers, up the times. If you don't know what to pray, just pray in tongues. I mean, just, just, just spend more time before the Lord, humble. And that God would show the body of Christ how to rise up in compassion and to bring truth and direction. Second, or third one, sorry, it's get educated and informed on the issues. I came across this phrase this last week. I had never heard of it, so forgive me if you've heard of it. It was, it was founded or coined by a, a Russian psychologist, interestingly, in the early 1900s from a guy named Vygotsky. And it's called a Zone of Proximal Development, also known as ZPD. And I'm going to read the definition and I'll try to explain it. It said, it's the, it's the distance between the actual development level as determined by an independent problem solving and the level of potential development as determined through problem solving under adult guidance or in collaboration with a more capable peer. There are three keys. The presence of someone with the knowledge and skills to guide the learner, and then it's social interaction that allow the learner to observe and practice their skills. And then the third key is scaffolding or supportive activities provided by the mentor or teacher that help guide the learner through zone of proximal development. Now, let me, just, let me just simplify that for you. How many understand that we all have blind spots in our life? Yep. When you drive in a car, there's that one spot you can't see. You have all the mirrors in the world, but there's one spot you can't see. It takes someone else to point that out to you. So let's just take this conversation of race, just, just because it's, it, it's in our face right now, and it, it, it is the moment we're in. Let's take this conversation, and the challenge for some of us is that we are just on the edge of getting educated to become well-informed, but for whatever reason, we refuse to engage with the issue. And I believe some of us are literally inches away from a zone where we actually could be led and learn the conversation and see how the kingdom wants to be involved in this conversation. 
And so I just want to ask this this morning, like, are you, are you making it a 2D conversation? Or are you realizing it's multidimensional? Are you actually engaging, having relationship with people? Or is your only relationship with the conversation on social media? Are you actually doing life with people of different ethnicities and different cultures? Because to be honest with you, it's such a pull to engage on culture. And we are doing our very best to only engage with those that we're doing life with. Because it's within that context we can walk this journey together. And I will tell you what, I, there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to learn on this entire issue. But I believe we're actually set up for success if we will just be willing to admit, I don't know what I don't know. And there's this zone that's literally just on the outside of our, our spot right now. All we have to do is say, hey, teach me about this and begin to ask questions. And I believe you and I as a church and as a family will develop beautifully in this conversation. And I believe we have an amazing opportunity because you and I are all about redemption. We're about the ministry of reconciliation. We're about the value of human life. We're about all these things. And the challenge is we have to cut through the noise of the religious agenda, the political agendas, and, and we're trying, we're just navigating all that. And I want to just stay disengaged for that for a while, step in in the conversation. I believe the Lord will speak to us in that moment. I believe the Lord will speak to us in that moment if we humble ourselves there. Last one, not least. Actually, let me finish the, the other one, get educated. We have to understand that we, you and I have incredible power that we actually get to shape who shapes our worldviews. We get to decide who shapes our worldviews. For example, let's just pick on social media because it's so easy and everyone can relate to it. In social media, you can choose who you follow. I follow this person, I follow this person, I follow this news outlet, I follow this person, this person, this person. And most, most humans do not have a diverse following that they follow. It's usually people you agree with or you like their values. And the challenge is that's really great because then you can just get fed whatever you want to get fed. But when it comes to complex issues, the challenge is we've just created an ecosystem to justify our posture and our stance. And we've got all the facts, all the evidence, we've got it all right here and we go, look, this is the answer. Now that may be true, but it's way more complex than that. So the social media feeds that we have actually are incredibly dangerous to us because we're shaping our worldview. So we actually, we need to learn to understand that we are actually being shaped by who we've chosen to shape us. So who is shaping us? Is the Bible shaping us or is Instagram shaping us? Is the scripture shaping our views or is Fox News shaping our views? Is the scripture shaping our views or CNN shaping our views? Two people, okay. I'm telling you, this is a massive situation and I want to raise the alarm and say, guys, listen, we've got to adjust this. Where are we getting our worldview shaped from? Who is shaping our view? Is it Jesus and how he lived his life or is it the political opinion of the moment that we're in? Because we want to be right instead of actually caring. Okay. Like I said, listen to this message in its entirety. Last one but not least. Step in if you see something where someone is being devalued. I had a weird situation happen a couple of years ago. I was at a gas station. I wanted ice cream. So I went to a gas station. It was the closest one to my house, and I just wanted vanilla ice cream. And so I walk in, and I'm, I'm, I'm at the you know, fridge, and I get the ice cream, and I go stand in line. And, 
And the guy in front of me, he had pumping gas or something, and the man behind the counter was um, uh, an Indian man from Indian descent. And he had, he had the turban on and the whole thing, and, and there was just engagement. It was kind of, a, it was, you could tell something wasn't right. The guy was frustrated at something at the pump. And he's talking to this guy, and they, they said something, and he went back outside to you know, do something. Well, he came storming back in and just, just you know, he blew his fuse. And he's yelling at this man behind the counter. Now, I understand you're frustrated, you're frustrated, but he started turning it into a racial situation where he started making fun of his accent because English is not his first language and started making fun of where he is from. And I'm sitting there with my ice cream and I'm like, what is going, this is happening. This is so happening right now. And, and this guy wasn't, um, this guy was a rough cut individual and he could take me out very easily. I'll just put it that way. So I'm like going through the, what am I gonna do if he swings at me? but I couldn't handle it anymore. So I simply, I had a gallon of ice cream. I go, hey! And the whole Chevron gas station went quiet. And they both looked at me and I said, I, just, I didn't know what else to say. It's like, and we all just looked at each other and then the guy grabbed the stuff and walked out. And I thought, thank God that's all that happened. Thank God that's all that happened. Cause like, I was about to chuck the ice cream at this guy if he went after me. We were going to have a mess. <laughs> humor aside, if you see something where someone is devaluing another human being, don't watch it anymore. Say something. Yeah. Do something. Interrupt the momentum of the moment because momentum, if it doesn't get stopped, can turn into what's happening in our streets right now. Yes. And God is looking for people that will step into a situation that will stop the momentum of evil and chaos and step in with the divine peace and wisdom and redirect it where it needs to be redirected. This is what Jesus did over and over and over in the gospels. He redirected, he said, no, we're not doing that. And he would often pigeonholed and triangulated into a theological conundrum. And Jesus and all his brilliance would ask a question or do one simple act and the entire system would crumble at its feet. That's who we're called to be. We're called to step into a broken system, a broken culture and engage with it with divine peace and divine wisdom, not with angst, not with fear, not with anxiety and not with chaos and confusion. So what I wanna do, I want everybody to stand. No holding hands. As you can tell, my, my heart aches today. It's, uh, this is less of a message, it's more of a talk. And, um, but, I, but I'm fully aware that we have to live in the shadow of him. And what I wanna do, is I actually wanna do something that I believe is, is crucial. This is not just a token idea, but I had this picture of us kneeling this morning and praying together. And I had this picture of us kneeling and praying that what happened in the Azusa Street Revival would happen all over again. What happened in that move of God and how it literally changed the face of the earth and how revival swept across all denominational lines, all racial lines. Many revival scholars say that is the most dramatic, most impactful revival in, in modern history is that one. And this morning, as, as an act of what we do, we, we get on our knees and pray. 
I know kneeling is super controversial, and honestly, that's not why I'm doing it. I want us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And if you're watching online, if you could just, uh, just get on our knees. If you can't get on your knees, you can sit on the chair. I understand. And I want us just to take a moment and just pray. We won't take a long time, but I just want to pray. I just want to pray that we just seek the Lord as a family, as a church, and as the body of Christ. For those in this room and for those that are watching online, let, let's not be on the wrong side of history on this one. Let's not pass this moment up and think, oh, it's just a X, Y, Z. No, it's so much more than that. And I believe the Lord is speaking to us if we're willing to engage with it on the street corners of our cities. And so, Father, this morning, we stand as, as a community of believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as, as the church. We, we are on our knees today. We are humbling ourselves before you. And Father, we, we repent for whatever we need to repent of. And I, we just pray that today, that what happened in 1906, that you showed up in a church in Southern California and you blew every line in society and culture. That your spirit is not confined to a church, a denomination, or a race of people. That you said in Acts 2 and Joel 2, that you pour out your spirit on all flesh. And I pray for the chaos and confusion that's in our streets will be overrun by the divine peace and wisdom of heaven. It would be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God showing up. That people that are going out to do chaos and confusion, they would have a Paul experience. They would come face to face with you. And they'd realize they're fighting the fight, but they're doing it the wrong way. And I pray that we would learn to engage with this in such a way where divine peace and wisdom come. And we pray that the DNA, the, the common thread of the Azusa Street Revival would begin to take place in our nation right now. And so, Father, we ask that you would come, pour out your spirit on us, pour out your spirit in our streets, and pour out your spirit across our nation right now. God, we believe you want to move. We know this is the year of awakening. We know that this is what you're after. And so right now, we just pray. We submit ourselves to you and say, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. This is so overwhelming. This is so beyond us. But as you demonstrated, you know exactly what to do. So we invite you. Just take a moment, just pray on your own. Take another moment. Father, we pray that any blind spot in our life that we would, you would show us what, what that is. Father, we want to learn. We want to learn how valuable human life really is. We want to learn what a redemptive plan looks like in this moment. We want to see what restoration looks like. 
We want to learn what it looks like to see reconciliation take place in our nation. And I pray from the, from the, the depths of our culture to the tops of our culture, from the left of our culture to the right of our culture, that a humility would come upon us. That a humility would come upon us. And God, you said in the Bible that if, if we fall on our knees, fall on our knees and repent, that you would heal our land. And we're asking that you would heal our land in this moment, that you bring healing to the nation, you bring healing to the, to the broken part, the people that are hurting, you bring healing and restoration to our culture and our society. God, don't turn your eyes from us. We want more of you in our streets. I pray for humility to rest on our state, on our leaders of our state, and all the rest of this country, that leaders will come to a place of humility. And I pray for, for leaders that are walking in humility that there will be just an overload of divine wisdom and peace to navigate this nation forward, to lead this nation forward. And we thank you for our city, for this region, that this last week when there was supposed to be violence and, and all kinds of crazy stuff happened, it didn't happen. And we thank you for protecting our city. And we thank you for the beautiful moment yesterday afternoon where a couple thousand people gathered in march in solidarity. And Father, we pray that there would just be this, this solidarity, humility, and peace to move forward in this moment. We ask for us here at Bethel, for our family here. I pray for all of us. I know some of us are really conflicted on this. This is like, I don't know what to do. And, and because we're conflicted, it means we're human. It means we feel. It means we're, we're actually, something's happening. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd enter into every home across our church family right now, and that you bring clarity where there's confusion. You bring relationships into our life to help, to help bring a sense of, oh, this is what this is about, or these are the steps forward. This is what I can do in this moment. And I pray that that would take place in our church family this morning and in the coming weeks and months ahead. Because we know that you are causing revival and transformation and reformation. And we said yes to that a long time ago. And right now, it feels like we're in a moment where we don't fully understand or grasp. But one thing we do know is that you wanna bring healing to our land and restoration to the people. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard in multiple languages on our Bethel TV website. If you'd like to partner with us in discipling nations and fueling personal revival, you have the opportunity to give at Bethel.tv slash podcast slash donate.